Hello there, and welcome to the Sober Butterfly Podcast. I'm your host, Nidhi Movina. This week, you're in store for a treat as I sit down with Octavia Green. She is a lawyer, and she is launching her very own podcast called Legally Unapologetic, coming at you March 5th, so stay tuned for that. I actually met Octavia at PodFest, um, the conference I went to last week, and she was doing a dry January. So her and I were in the corner, not drinking, but still turning up. She's very much like me. We are both social butterflies. So we had no problem having fun without booze the entire time. But it was so cool just to feel like I had some community and shared experience with someone at um, a conference where, you know, people were drinking, but there was never a point that I felt uncomfortable. And I really wanted to bring her onto the podcast this week because Obviously, we just completed dry January. And I want to remind folks at home, especially if you're sober curious, that just because you completed a 31-day challenge removing alcohol, and I don't want to minimize that, by the way, like that's a big deal. Kudos. But I also want to remind people that, you know, in doing so, it doesn't mean that you have to go back to drinking, right? So like come February 1st does not mean that you have to regress back to old drinking patterns, especially if they were unhealthy ones. You guys know I'm sober. I have no plans on going back to drinking, but it is nice to connect with people who had a different history with alcohol and their drinking, but are willing to still embrace this sober lifestyle because they see and feel all of the positive changes and see the ways in which their life has optimized. So I'm going to let Octavia explain a little bit more about her story in this week's episode. So yeah, let's get started. Let's dig in. Hello, Octavia, and welcome to the show, The Sober Butterfly. How are you? I'm well, sis. How are you? Thank you so much for having me on. No, thank you for coming on. Octavia and I met at PodFest last week, and I just, I don't know, we gravitated towards each other. Like, I saw you in a couple sessions, and then next thing you knew, like, we were just hanging out. We had a little squad um, but it was great meeting you. And you had told me that you were doing dry January. And I hear people say that a lot. Like people would be like, oh yeah, I'm doing dry January. And then later on, dot, 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 they're drinking at the bar. But we did go out and you stood, you stood to your word. I felt bad because there was one point where we went to a bar and I got my friend and myself um, a Heineken 0.0, so an alcohol-free beer. And you were like, wait, <laughs> what about me? <laughs> And I was like, oh, I forgot. I forgot that you're not drinking. Um, So I really wanted to pick your brain because I have a year and a half of sobriety. So I'm a little bit like removed from the early, the early days and the early effects of what it's like to remove alcohol from your life. And obviously, like you and I have different stories when it comes to our relationships with alcohol. But I'm very curious, what sparked your interest in wanting to do like a dry January? Well, if I'm being honest, like... I actually started going somewhat dry back in August. Um, I had an encounter with a man after having, I guess, taken a lot of, or drinking a lot of alcohol that night. And one thing I did not like was the way I was speaking to him. Um, I was out of character and one, we're arguing. And it's like, what's that? You know, like, that's just not in me. But what I realized is I was drinking 
and consuming a lot of hard alcohol. I think I had a friend in town that week and we were literally taking shots for shots for shots. Every time we would go out, it was a shot, it was a shot. And it was like, okay, we're having a great time, but you find yourself in this situation and you're arguing with someone that you care about, right? And you're showing characteristics of yourself. It's not a proud moment. I guess starting in August, it was like, let me pull it back. And I stopped drinking hard liquor. It was just strictly beer and wine, right? And I figured it's like, okay, this would be an easier way to control my intake. Um, you know, I'm not drinking as much. And it's not as hard on, as on my body as like a shot of tequila or something like that. So I did that. And if I'm being honest, I still found myself drinking, you know, maybe two bottles of wine a week, you know, or if it's football Sunday, it's nothing for me to sit down and and drink three to four beers easy. And I'm like, okay, I'm still not completely happy and satisfied with what's going on here. Let me go back. You go back to November. I was traveling with my family. And, you know, now families picking up on the fact that like, okay, you're consuming a lot of wine. It may not be hard alcohol, but it's a lot of wine. Like what's going on? Are you okay? And I'm fine. But what I'm seeing is that we live in a world where alcohol has become the norm. Any and everything we do has to involve drinking alcohol, you know, uh, whether it's professional settings and you have mixers and you're drinking glasses of wine. Um, I'm a lawyer, so, you know, we do that all the time. Um, but then even in your your social circle and it was like, OK, start of the year, I kind of want to cut back. And now I'm going to challenge myself because. Everybody says to your point that they want to do dry January, but it's like, can you really do it? Right. And I will admit the first couple of days of the month was difficult. But when you get into a routine and you start seeing the benefits, you know, I'm probably a little bit more level headed now. Um, You know, I'm staying within myself and true to myself. Um, And then I'm in the gym heavy. I can sit here and say that I now see the results that I wanted in my body because I'm not consuming those extra calories. So January, yeah, it was difficult. I will admit, I survived a whole girl's trip without drinking alcohol. Um, And shout out to my friends because they made sure I had my apple cider. So I was still having my mimosa, but, you know, it was a non-alcoholic mimosa or we were making mocktails or whatever it may be. So, yeah, I think... You know, when you think about the challenge and I'm a person that really likes a good challenge, you know, it started off as something that I felt like I needed to do. But then it was like, okay, you know what? Now I'm going to challenge myself and now I'm going to stick it out because I want to prove to myself that I can do it. And now we're five days into February and I still haven't gone into back to drinking, you know, so kind of proud of that progress as well. Congratulations. That is like, I think the beginning is the most challenging. So I didn't know, I didn't know any of that, Octavia, about your story. So thank you for sharing. And I actually find that you and I have more parallels than I thought we would. One thing that you brought up that I 100% can relate to when you referenced that friend that you had, that male um, person that you had that like altercation, that like argument with, and that was out of your character. 
I can connect to that so much because I used to think that maybe I had anger issues, maybe like had pent up resentments towards people because you you'll hear like this phrase, right. drunk words are sober thoughts. But literally I, I like would come out of a, a heavy night of drinking and look through like my messages and be like, but that's not me. That's not how I feel. That's not like, I'm not repressing any feelings towards you. I'm not an angry person that can be daunting. That can be alarming, but sometimes it's like, it's really not about you. It's, it's the design of the, of the drink to push that threshold and like make you act, act in an extreme manner in a way that you wouldn't um, had you not been drinking so much. What is your relationship like with that person? Was it completely tarnished or are you still in contact? Are you cool with a understanding? Uh, we're cool. You know, it's one of those complicated situationships, if you want to call it that. So, um, but I think, you know, he was a person that honestly could tell me straight up, like, you're drinking. And every time that you have some drinks, like, you know, it kind of takes you over the edge. But, you know, I think that that's any good friend in your life, right, that can tell you straight up that you need to you need to chill out. You know, you need people that can call you out. You need people that can hold you accountable. And if we're being honest, like I'm not 26 anymore, you know, I'm 33. It, it, it hits a little bit different, you know, when we're taking shots and we're drinking and it, yeah, it's definitely not. It's grown. We got things to do, right? So it's one of those things. <laughs> you know better. <laughs> you know better. You know better. So, it, you know, I appreciated that conversation. I think it was a hard conversation. But again, when people are in your life and people that you value and you value their opinions, you know, you take that into consideration when you are evaluating yourself. And what I don't want is anybody to ever associate you know, moments like that with me and then contribute it to alcohol because that's not my spirit. That's not my heart. That's not who I am. So to your point, I think alcohol does have the effect of, you know, if we're already emotional, it'll take us over the edge. If we're already feeling a certain type of way, it'll take us over the, the ledge or the edge rather. And I, I see that, but it's like, why give it that much power? Wow. I love that. Why give it so much power? Um, that's a great question, and I think that connects to what you had mentioned before, the societal expectation. It's not even like the societal pressure. It's almost like an expectation, right? You go to these events, mixers, professional events, right? Um, you go to a, like a friend's baby shower even. Like you go to wen- weddings, and there's alcohol, and it, it just feels as though by design, we're blindly following the societal code that we should be drinking. And if you're not drinking, it's almost like you have broken code and all of a sudden people are asking why. And I don't mind that people ask why. I don't know if that's your experience, but I wanted to really quickly bring up because you mentioned wine. So I went through a similar phase. So you said like you realized after that altercation with your friend, like, it's hard liquor, right? You're like, it's it's the tequila, it's the mezcal, it's the it's the hard stuff. I'm gonna switch gears and just drink beer and wine. And I I had a similar flow as well, where it was like, okay, I became obsessed with wine, and it was almost like an identity for me. And I think that it's easier to disguise problem drinking with wine because it's like an intellectual 
pursuit. That's how I saw it. I was like, I'm going to get really into wine. I'm going to go to vineyards. I'm going to learn how to identify the different types of wine so I can have something to talk about at the dinner table. And the the truth of the matter is, it's all just like nonsense and jargon. It's alcohol. And I overdid it. And when you mentioned that your family, you went on the family trip and they called you out about it, um, I was just like, my heart was wrenching because I had a similar setup where it was like, I thought I was doing a good job of masking my drinking through wine. Like you're a wino type thing. A wino, exactly. I was a wino, happy happy to take on that, that role. Um, but it was still a problem. It's Black History Month. So welcome to February. This is like one of my favorite months just because everything is black, right? In a later episode this month, I'm going to talk a little bit more in detail about the impact of sobriety in the black community and looking to discuss some of the unique experiences and perspective of black individuals in recovery from substance use. I don't think it's a secret um, to note that there are some unique challenges faced by Black people in sobriety. So I want to journey into the impact of systemic racism and trauma, and also just the role of community within Black sobriety, which is a big part of why I started the Sober Butterfly podcast, because I wanted to highlight the unique and inspiring stories of Black individuals who have embraced sobriety and who are willing to share their journey, their struggles, and their triumphs. I'll be looking at different stories and ways to highlight more Blackness this month. So stay tuned. Or like, what are your long-term plans here? Do you, do you think that you can go back to moderate drinking? Or do you think that overall it's a substance that is dangerous for you to consume? So I will say I have taken it one month at a time. You know, I think that this is a challenge, right? And right now, you know, I'm kind of in a challenge with myself. Um, so with that being said, I would take it, you know, one month, see how February goes. And if I want to turn that page in March, keep going, you know. Um, but I mean, the peer pressure has been there. You know, I'm I'm not shy about the fact that I'm a social butterfly. I like to be outside. Me too. And I think that it's one of those things where even now, <laughs> that's why we connected. <laughs> but even now when you're outside, you know, you just have to surround yourself with people and friends that actually respect what you have going on. You know, and again, we all adults. I don't really feel the pressure for friends to be like, you know what, girl, take a shot. You know, like that's not what, that's not where we're on. Um, I, mean, I was on a date the other night and he was trying to pressure me, but I think that was for other reasons, but you know, I digress. <laughs> but with that being said, it's just one of those things where, <laughs> but it's just, you know, it's just one of those things where it's, you just have to stay true to yourself. You know, if you have a goal, if you have, you know, you're on a journey, you're determined to accomplish whatever it is, then, you know, make sure that you're doing what you need to do for you. And if that means refraining from actually partaking in, in drinking for a while, then you're not missing anything. You know, I'm still there. I'm still having a good time. I'm still, you know, the only difference in the story is. I may wake up tomorrow morning and be productive. You may wake up tomorrow and, you know, be up to a slow start. So, you know, that's just kind of how I look at it. Right now, if I'm being honest, 
I'm in a transitional period, you know, a, a transitional period, getting ready to launch my own podcast, just started my own law firm. Like, with that being said, I need a clear head right now. I don't really need anything that is deterring me or taking me in a different direction. Is it stressful? Yeah, but that's when I go to the gym a little bit more. <laughs> Well, you're saying all the right things because I think like sobriety or not drinking gives you clarity. And if you can tackle the stress and the pressures that life presents, right? Because that's never going to go away. The difference is people numb who are drinking oftentimes. They're numbing and they're looking for an escape. So those are the two reasons I hear most often that keeps people in this cycle of you know, perpetual drinking, but it sounds like you have the right approach and mindset to this because you're like, you know, you're taking it day by day, month by month. You're not going to overwhelm yourself with the unforeseen, you know, or like the inevitables of life. Like you have a lot going on. You're focused on right now and you're in the gym and you're doing everything for yourself to optimize your quality of life, which I love. And I think so many people can respect and relate to that. I, I always preach the, the joys of sobriety. I'm biased, obviously. Um, but I'm wondering how has, <laughs> how has, um, how was it in those early days? Cause you did mention it was hard. So what was the hardest part for you going into that dry January? Um, the first few days, I think you mentioned what was like the most difficult part for you? Well, football season was still going on. So, you know, I didn't know how I could represent and cheer for my Eagles without a beer in my hand. So that kind of, you know, was annoying. Um, The second piece of it, I think, again, just being in social settings, you know, like I have a story. My girls and I went out one night and we went to a club and, you know, they're at the bar, they're drinking and I'm sipping on Sprite. You know, and it, it was one of those things where it's like, wow, like, I think it really became apparent, like, this is such, like, we're so used to coming out, we're so used to drinking, we're so used to, like, turning up, right? And that was, what, the second week of January? In turn, I had to get used to my new normal. Okay, Octavia, what does looking, what does going out look like for you? And if you, are you okay with that? You know, and if you're not okay with that, then cool. Maybe tonight is a a night where I stay home and I watch Netflix. But I don't necessarily think that me not drinking should hinder my ability to live my life because they're distinct. (laughs) You know, they're they're not one is not dependent on the other. Let's just put it that way. You know, at the end of the day, I'm still live my life regardless of whether I have a drink in my hand or not. It does not define me. It does not define um how fun I have, how I live my life. It does not define the moments that um, I spend with people that I really love and and who love me back. And I think when you're in that mindset, it becomes a lot easier. That's so beautiful. And I agree with everything you said and shared. I just want to wrap up. I want to give you the space and the time to let the people know more about your podcast that you're launching. Really excited for you. And I can't wait to hear more. So you want me to do my my elevator pitch that I had down packed last week? That we rehearsed like 50 million times. (laughs) Yes, I want to hear the elevator pitch. 
You have 30 seconds. No, I'm joking. Okay. I appreciate the space. All right. So I am the host of a new podcast called Legally Unapologetic. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I am a lawyer and I'm trying to create a space where we address issues that are very unique and specific to Black women in the practice of law. So, you know, I'm trying to go deep, y'all. I'm going to talk about authenticity. I'm going to talk about imposter syndrome. I'm going to talk about balancing life and practice. I'm going to talk about sobriety and have Nadine here come on and, you know, give us tips on, on how we... Sorry. Sorry to interrupt your pitch. I also feel like, though, what you were talking about is a real concern, like, in your field specifically. Like, why do lawyers drink so much? <laughs> So, yes, Nadine's going to come on and we're going to get into it. But, you know, I also want to just create a, a safe space. There's not a lot of black women attorneys in, in America. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm trying to foster community. I think that a lot of us are, you know, in spaces where we're practicing and we're, we don't see a lot of people that look like us. So we're dealing with a lot of these issues um, in silence. And if I'm being honest, it's a it's it has the the effect of kind of pushing us all out. You know, the first episode, I'll share my story. I'll share my journey um, and what ultimately led me leaving private practice, but also why, you know, I created Legally Unapologetic in the first place. So looking forward to it, you know, a projected uh, date of March 5th, which is a month from now. So just be on the lookout. In the meantime, Follow the Instagram page, uh, Legally Unapologetic, one word, or you can follow my personal page, OMG underscore ESQ. Thank you, Octavia. I appreciate you. Amen. Amen. So, Lucas, I greatly, greatly appreciate you. I greatly appreciate you. Thank you for coming on. And I can't wait for everyone to hear this. Maybe we can keep some people on track for February. Dry February. Let's make it a thing. Hey, just keep going. If you like this week's episode of the Sober Butterfly podcast, please do me a favor and go ahead and leave a five-star review. That really helps the show grow so that more people can hear these inspiring messages of sobriety. I love you guys so much. It takes five seconds, by the way. Like, it really doesn't take long. So please go ahead and leave that review. Um, you can also reach out directly to me, Nadine, at thesoberbutterfly.com. That's my email. Also follow me on Instagram or on social. My handles are at the period sober butterfly. So you can find me on there. I respond to DMs, believe it or not. And uh, yeah, I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to leave that five-star review. Bye. See you next week. <laughs>